0: Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, what's up, everybody?
1: Very fitting morning for what we're going to be talking about today here in, in good old Wisconsin. Uh, pea soup fog. Basically, I had to drive about two miles an hour to get here. And it reminded me a lot of a little place I like to call. Southeast Alaska, which to me, it's one of my favorite places in the world, bar none. I love Southeast Alaska, everything it has to offer. I got Jimmy to my right. We've got Justin Olk, host producer of Game of Inches TV, a show we've been working with for a long time. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Amazingly produced show, awesome content, truly enjoy it. And if you have been watching, good on you for seeking out good content. So, Absolutely. Justin, so we're uh, we're kind of in process of launching a new thing here, a, a Vortex Presents series, if you will, of of, uh, of original content. Uh, Justin produced four, four kind yeah, of you've got four to start. Yeah, yep, to four starts. Start, so four four cuts. Hopefully, hopefully more in the future. One of those is an archery brown bear hunt, which is going to ultimately be what we talk about today. But yes. before we get too deep, Justin, I want to introduce yourself. And, uh, you know, talk a little bit about what you have going on. And I actually, I've got some questions about the show as well.
2: So anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Excited to do it. But uh, yeah, the, the shortcut series, the Vortex Selects that you guys, um, you know, we've, we've partnered on, I think uh, could be a great thing. It's, it's one of those things we thought about for a long, long time. Everybody's day seems to be getting busier. There's not enough time in the day to really do what you want. So we thought let's take a full episode and cram that into five minutes or less. We'll show you all the highlights, the best of the best. And, uh, you can get a good feel for the hunt that way. So, you know, I talked to Eric and Sawyer about it, uh, in Indy at the ATA show, kind of told them what my idea was. And quite honestly, there wasn't a better partner to work with on this one. So, uh, we're, we're proud to be working with you uh, for the Vortex Selects. Awesome, man. No,
1: we're super, super excited about it as well. So Game Adventures TV, what drove you to become like a hunting TV content creator? Like what was the catalyst for that?
2: You know, honestly, I've told this story a few times and I wish it was a better story, but the honest truth is I've always had a passion for videography, photography, and of course, hunting. I don't come from a hunting background. My family doesn't hunt. It's kind of weird that I fell into that. I grew up in the country and just sort of fell into a love for the outdoors and hunting. But I had a cousin who is a very successful architect and, and, and he had to move to California of all places. So communication between us, it was kind of tough. I mean, it might be a phone call here or there. I had a, uh, a bear hunt in Alberta lined up and I told him, Hey, I'm going to go film this thing. And, uh, I'll, I'll throw a few clips together. You know, I, at that time I had no idea really what I was doing. I mean, we're talking 15, 18 years ago, uh, back when YouTube was kind of a new thing actually. And, uh, <laughs> I said, I'm going to film this thing and I'll put it together and I'll throw it on YouTube. You know, you can take a look when I get back. So, okay, that's great. So I did I bought some cheap, you know, $50 software from like an office max or something like that. And I threw this little video together. It was a great hunt. I killed uh, a color faced bear. I shot a wolf with my bow on film and I killed about a six and a half foot black bear. So it was a tremendous trip. Whoa! Two clips together. But yeah, this is one in a lifetime trip, but uh, I threw the clips together, threw it on YouTube without any intention of anyone else other than him being able to watch this. A couple weeks later, I get a message in my inbox. It's a broadhead manufacturer. Hey man, cool video. Uh, you know, would you like to shoot our broadhead or our product? Yeah, absolutely. You know, send me send me some broadheads. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And next thing you know, we started creating videos strictly online. And it just built and built the the, the partner base built. And uh, here we are now, going into our seventh or eighth year on uh, on Sportsman Channel. Dude, that's wild. That's a really
1: cool hey, story. Great. You know, and, like, super interesting, too, because, I mean, I think, you know, at that time, that was probably some of the first hunting content on YouTube, really.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, YouTube wasn't really a an, an outlet for that kind of thing quite yet, but now, I mean, obviously, you see it everywhere, and it's it's just become a fantastic thing for everybody.
0: It's basically like the way, you know, people like Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, and the Yodeling Kid came up, you know? Oh, Yeah. Start posting stuff on YouTube for some friends and family to see. And next thing you know, famous. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> you. You're I also good good don't good. know how much you want to be compared to Justin Bieber. <laughs> I, but was I was just <laughs> going
2: to say, you're, you're the hunting
1: Justin Bieber. Just,
2: yeah, 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 sure.
1: Same name, same, same discovery story. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you've been to Canada. Okay. <laughs> anyway, back to brown bears. <laughs> So, so yeah, that's, that's wild, man. That that's, that's super cool. Well, and so like we we're talking about earlier, again, Jim's bringing it he's reining us back in here. One of the super cool shortcuts that, that you put together for us revolved around an archery brown bear hunt in Southeast Alaska. I think you're on Baranoff Island. Yep. So right out of six. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Uh, amazing spot. I've been there, I've been there, I guess, only only one time. I fished there uh, a number of years ago, uh, somewhat as a youth, and uh, we had an awesome trip, Jim. We uh, just knocked the heck out of the fish, and we also had a, a gunfight outside of our hotel room. <laughs> and I, I may have told this story before on maybe even I know I've told it before maybe even on the podcast I so. don't
0: think that we've talked about a gunfight on the podcast You'd remember that? Else. I think a lot of people would remember that
1: Okay, well hope, hopefully not so hopefully I'm not you know boring people with the same story again. it's one that definitely stands out in my mind But Let's we-
0: have if anybody out there who listens to this like a really good graphic designer let's have somebody try and graphically design this you know a, a depiction of this gunfight of Mark in a hotel in southeast Alaska
1: Well it was I, I witnessed it uh, auditorily, Jim. Oh, okay. We, we were right. we were in bed. We'd been fishing for several days and just getting up early, long days, and and super tired. And uh, I think the bars had closed, you know, so people were out out in a boot, right, and also pretty angry, probably usually. a little bit, you know, a little, little sauced up. And uh, I wake up to uh, an argument, a verbal altercation, and I'm like, Ooh, these guys sound upset. And then all of a sudden, one guy says, "I got a forty-five. and I'm like, "Oh, this is getting interesting <laughs> and interesting." And the other gentleman says, "Well, then shoot me with some expletive." Exp, 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 say it, Jim. Ex, ex, expletives.
0: Expletives. Yeah. Expl. I
1: usually when I'm telling the story, I use different. I use the words. Um, <laughs> and and this goes on, and then a gunshot goes off, and I'm like, "Oh, that's not good." But then uh, we hear two voices again basically having the same discussion. And I remember thinking, uh, I was talking to my dad. I'm like, Dad, you know, I mean, if they shoot again, you know, we should probably, like, go get the tub or something or, you know, try and, you know, whatever. And then, Yeah, like a tornado. Yeah. Gunfight and tornado drill, same thing. Something other than probably what was probably like some sort of paper-thin, you know, motel wall. And, And then he shot again. And the guy says, well, shoot me. Shoot me. Just do it and he shot again and they keep talking and we're so tired. I think he shot a total of five times, but I never got out of bed. <laughs> so uh. that's, but the fishing was amazing. And it's as, <laughs> was- as you know, as you know, Justin, the beauty up there, I mean, I don't know. Alaska is unparalleled no matter which way you look, but it, it's a special place.
2: Yeah. Southeast Alaska. It's probably my favorite place. I've been to, been fortunate enough to to have hunted in, in quite a few places, and and I think I'd rank that as my number one. I, I love it. I grew up on the water here in West Michigan on, on Lake Michigan, okay. so that kind of it, it feels like home when you're out there. I mean, everything's vessel based, and there's water everywhere, and, and sea life, and uh, yeah, South Southeast Alaska is tough to beat for sure.
1: It is, you know. I, I kind of share some of that same stuff. I brought this up before. I bring it up probably every podcast. I'm proud of my I'm proud of my roots, Jim. But I'm originally from Washington State. And so whenever, whenever I make it up there, it's like everything that I love about the Pacific Northwest or Washington, but it's, it's almost like going back in time. Like, like you're yeah. almost going back in time, like 200 years. You're like, ah, oh, so this is what it was like, you know, when, when the fishing was good.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so this archery brown bear hunt, Justin, like, was this something you'd always wanted to do? Was it like, what, like, what was the catalyst for like setting the stage of uh, I'm going to do this someday?
2: You know, th- honestly, it- it wasn't one of those things that had been on my mind since I was 12. I mean, I'm a pretty okay. realistic guy. So, you know, I, I wasn't a young kid thinking my number one bucket list is a brown bear with a bow. I mean, that's just, that wasn't the case. I, I had a lot of goals in mind that I wanted to achieve. And as I achieved them, you know, we, we just kind of moved up the list. Once we knocked out quite a few things, you know, in, in my hunting career, if you want to call it that way, the brown bear was, was definitely on the radar. But it probably wasn't uh, for maybe three to four years prior to this hunt that I really started to think I could put it together or actually make it happen and come to fruition. So it it happened relatively quickly. I mean, that spring I was hunting with the same outfitter, Scott McLeod, and killed a great black bear, giant black bear, and had told him that, you know, I, I really wanted to look into the brown bear hunt and. And he, quite frankly, just said, hey, give me a shot this fall. Let's do it. You know, he, he said, you want to do it with a bow? Let's let's get after it. Let's try it. So it was put together over the course of really seven months, six months from just kind of throwing it out there to actually being on the skiff, you know, looking for brown bear.
0: Super cool, man. The bow part, uh, maybe I was distracted by the brown bear that's actually behind you while you were talking. And Mark and I discussed that this may happen from time to time where we get a little bit Dazed and confused by the (laughs) incredible taxidermy behind you, but the bow part—how did that become the desired method of take? Because that's when we're talking about brown bear. Now, I am no brown bear expert by any means. I haven't even ever been to Alaska. Just started bow hunting myself recently. In general, for for anything, but brown bear isn't up there towards the top of my list of, of quarry that I would chase with a bow. It seems dangerous. (laughs) <laughs> question mark <laughs> yeah you know honestly
2: um i'm a bow hunter at heart you know i i i'm a hunter at heart i guess i should say i mean i'll, I'll hunt with a rifle muzzleloader and give me a slingshot and tell me i can go hunt i will but bow hunting had you know it holds a special place in in my heart for sure something that i figured is probably gonna be a one-time thing for me maybe i'll get a chance to brown bear hunt again but i mean the reality of it is is pretty slim so if i was going to do it i wanted to do it with you know, the weapon I feel most confident with actually, which is, which is a bow done it my whole life. So, you know, if I was going to do it, I was going to do it right. Dude, that, that's super cool.
1: I know. So let me ask this question though. So like when I think about brown bear hunting, you know, even in general, but then particularly with the bow, I'm like, gosh, that sounds so awesome. Like that's so badass, man. I'd like to do it someday. And, but did that did that change at all when you got there when all of a sudden you're like 20 yards from a brown bear and you're like, you know what, maybe this, maybe this isn't such a cool idea.
2: (laughs) No, you know, there was never a moment that I was scared or nervous. And I think that's because, you know, when, when you decide you're going to do something like this, I mean, you're super focused, you know what you're going to do. I mean, the second you step off that skiff and, and you're in the rainforest, essentially, you know, charging up a, up a river or stream or whatever, you're not, you're not a lollygagging you're, you know your head's on a swivel you know what you got to do and at that point I mean I knew we had a pretty good team around us and I, I knew that you know we as long as everybody paid attention we were going to be just fine so there wasn't really a, a fact a fear factor in there but uh, the hunt was it gave me more than I thought it would I mean just watching the salmon run and seeing how the ecosystem all works together during that that one specific event was mind blowing. I mean, from the, the otters to the, you know, the bears and, and the salmon themselves and the eagles. And I mean, everything just worked together. It was, it, it was an amazing, an amazing adventure.
1: No, that, yeah. And, and that we should bring that up. This was a fall hunt, right? So, fall hunt, so right, the, yep. the, yeah. the salmon are running and, and I mean, you bring up something that really is so cool. How, how really interconnected everything is up there to those fish and really how much, depends on and is connected to you know those fish in that entire ecosystem
2: yeah so true i mean in my mind I, i've seen like i said i grew up in michigan we've got great fishing here we got you know the, the salmon and the steelhead runs here but to see it up there is entirely different i mean it's um it's a, it's a whole another ball game i mean it's so intense so yeah I, I had an idea in my mind of what that was going to be like but it was it was 10 times that i mean it was uh, it was crazy the amount of wildlife that would connect with that salmon run was just a pretty awesome
0: thing to see. Can you, uh, can you explain for a completely non-aquatic person what's going on during the salmon run?
1: Well, I mean, you know, kind of the life cycle, you know, in general of a salmon is, you know, they, they're born in the rivers. So, you know, these, yeah. these fish are going up the rivers to spawn. It can happen at, at, you know, I guess various times of year you get spring runs, you know, but I'd say predominantly you're going to have these fish going up streams, August, September, October, you know, November and the fall, and they're going up to spawn. They spawn, they lay their eggs, you know, they get fertilized, and, and they die, right?
0: Okay, right, yeah. Uh, now I, I didn't realize this is all part of the run. So, yeah, and so, and then these,
1: you know, everything, um, like I said, you know, so many things, including the plants, depend on, on the salmon for uh, sustenance or nutrients or whatever. So these bears congregate, uh, I guess, the, you know, the bears have, around the salmon streams, to uh you know essentially catch and uh live salmon or even eat just you know rotting dead salmon you know
0: depending on the time of
1: year and the availability of the fish and
0: kind of kind of where the run is at does that make your situation as a hunter being in there with the brown bear at least a little bit they're more preoccupied or they're a little bit more fat dumb and happy instead of like i want to rip off the first living thing's head that i can find
2: yeah absolutely at least that's the way we, we we went into this whole thing thinking i mean you know, it's, it's super mountainous up there, and I think a lot of people may or may not really understand that. But, I mean, the mountains basically die right into the water. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's straight up for the most part. So to get these bears, you know, to have a chance with a bow, yes, trying to hunt them while they're feeding, you know they're going to be, you know, around those streams, made it a little easier. And, yes, they were preoccupied, hopefully, when they are feeding. The, the struggle we had, it's so thick in there. I mean, it's a, it's a jungle. It's a flat-out jungle. The last thing you want to do is bump a brown bear feeding because they're extremely territorial about, you know, their food and you don't Mm -hmm. want to surprise a bear. And, you know, luckily we didn't have, you know, any super dangerous moments. I mean, we bumped a few. Thank God they they elected to go the other way (laughs) instead of our way. But, uh, you know, that so there was kind of a double edged sword. Yes. If you saw them in the distance, they were preoccupied, hopefully with the salmon. The problem was they'd grab a salmon, jump three feet on shore, and you can't see, you know, more than three feet, come around a corner and bump one. So, you know, you just had to pay attention, um, listen, you know, as best you could, and thankfully we didn't have any uh,
0: bad circumstances. How, uh, how many bears would you say that you saw? So we were um, I usually a couple a night, honestly.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason during this hunt, we were running into sows and cubs left and right. I mean, it, it, we saw a boar right off the bat uh, day one. We let him go. He's a little younger. And then after that, I think we had five or six days where we didn't see a boar. I mean, we were running into uh, sows and cubs constantly. It seemed like around every corner, which kind of frustrating for us. We just couldn't figure out why. But towards the end of the hunt, we started running into boars again. But I would say on average, if you want to include the cubs, we were seeing – five six bears a day probably
1: wow were you guys kind of like hopping rivers then like like and, and I guess when you when you'd find or you know encounter like a sow with cubs were you were you trying to maybe move to different spots because you're like okay she's maybe claimed you need claimed this hole or this river kind of maybe this general area we need to go to a different spot where maybe a boar is kind of like doing the same thing or
2: like, what was your strategy there? We definitely, uh, we checked out quite a few different rivers and we would, I mean, we might check two or three in a day, honestly, if we had time, but we, we, we never really backed out, um, when we saw a sow with cubs, especially if they were coming out early, Okay, you know, our, our thought was, Hey, if they're coming out early, there may be a dominant boar, you know, uh, that's coming out right at dark. So she's feeding early. Um you know maybe this is actually a good spot, so there were times where we'd see a saw and cubs if they came out at you know two three in the afternoon, we thought hey this is a this, this might be another spot we want to check later in the afternoon. Ended up not being the case in in, in the way we harvested our boar, but it was kind of our our mindset you know moving forward
1: mm-hmm.
2: what kind like what kind
1: of sign were you looking for when you'd like go up into these you know river systems and like see like maybe you wouldn't see a bear, but like what types of things were you finding? You're like, mm, we might want to sit here for a while you
2: know it's great. so Baranoff island is has one of the highest brown bear densities uh, i believe in the world i mean they're they're saying one bear per square mile kind yeah. of on average which may not sound like much but really in the overall scheme of things when you take all those miles and condense it down into one river there's there's going to be quite a few bears on that river so pretty much every river or stream that we checked out I mean it had bear sign and the bear sign was so heavy and so intense that you really couldn't decipher it every once in a while you would see a track okay but a lot of times the 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 shore or the bank of these rivers was just so littered with with rotting fish carcasses and tracks and you know scat and everything else that it was really hard to decipher anything I mean Mm. there were bears everywhere so you know honestly it was just kind of we'd, we'd sort of spot and stalk our way through until we felt like, you know, we were deep enough that, you know, turn around and and check out a different river, but we'd find pools and, you know, wherever we'd find a pool of salmon. And when I'm talking a pool of salmon, I mean, there, there are hundreds, if not thousands in some of these pools, uh, just stacked like cordwood, but we'd sit there for a little bit and see if anything would come out to feed. So it was just kind of Trial by error. If we if we saw a good bear um, or, or some solid sign, we definitely go back. But we bounced around quite a bit. We covered some ground.
0: Now, Mark, I I, I want to make sure we ask this question too, and and I'll try and ask it early on, even though we've already gotten into talking about it, the hunt itself. But it's let's say as somebody listens to this and they're thinking, "Wow, that sounds like a heck of an adventure. Sounds cool." What was it like? getting this tag because i i think about whenever i hear about alaska i think it's generally logistically hard to get to some of the tags can be hard to get there's a lot of yeah just logistical stuff that goes into it so what's this one like i mean is it otc is it put in for a draw forever
2: yeah it's it's an over-the-counter thing i mean the the hunt itself is is very expensive i elected to go with a vessel-based hunt which I think, I mean, if you're going to do it once, I can't imagine a better way to do it. I mean, it, it just adds to the adventure. You're on a, on a, on a large ship boat, uh, and you're, you're taking a skip out every day, and you're checking all these feeder streams and rivers. Oh, okay. um, that's cool. I mean, the, the views, even in the mo- – I mean, it's worth it just to stay on that boat. It's incredible. Mark, you said you fished out there. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. I, you can definitely do it land-based and you know drive around and still hunt the rivers and streams but if you get a chance to do it from a vessel there's nothing else like it to me that being said obviously logistics and everything else become a little more complicated you're talking about possibly bringing a float plane in long long boat rides you know depending on whether or not you get seasick easily there's a lot to think about but what makes it easy is these outfitters generally have dealt with it all so uh, you know you've got a lot of options a lot of options well, and then I think, you know, brown bears up, up
1: in Alaska, you know, residents can hunt them unguided. But as, as a non-res, like, you, like yep. you're obligated to, to book a trip yep. with an outfitter. You can't, you know, you can't just go, hey, that's a good idea, and, and go DIY it as, as a non-res person. Now, I'm trying to think. Is that
0: Alaska just saying, hey, we
1: don't want to come save your sorry I think, but. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's probably maybe from a resource perspective. Yeah. As well yeah. as, you know, a safety perspective, because the same goes for goats and, and sheep and things like that. Okay. So. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And then I think, you know, as far as like, so you shot a bear up there. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, but I think in that region, which it differs throughout the state, but one one bear every four years, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. One bear every four years. So it is something you can do again. Of course, you can't apply or or I shouldn't say apply. It's not a draw system, but you can't purchase a tag for, for four years. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I'd be curious to
1: know, too, because, you know, like we're talking about that bear density up there being approximately, that, that's what I've heard as well, is, you know, one bear per square mile, which is like, mm-hmm. like that's a lot of brown bears. So, yeah. you would think from uh, from a management perspective, like, you'd be like, oh, man, you know, you, you that it wouldn't be so limited. I'd love to actually chat with a biologist mm-hmm. or, or I, don't know, I don't know if you know, Justin, but like, the reasoning behind that, right? You think, oh, man, there's tons of bears, you know, we should be able to harvest right. more bears, then you get to other parts of Alaska, which I think are maybe more, like, I guess, you know, I guess you'd call them grizzlies there, but then it's much more, um, much more liberal seasons, liberal harvest, you know? And, and so it, it almost seems counterintuitive to me, but, uh, I'm not saying yeah. that they should harvest more bears. I just, I'm curious, actually.
2: Uh, I, you know, and, and I'd be curious to know as well, you know, it wasn't a question I've asked. In fact, I, I don't think, uh, I mean, I knew going in that it was a one bear every four year thing, but it really didn't dawn on me what that really meant, you know, until you get there and you see what's going on. And, and, I mean, possibly I had just a fantastic hunt and saw a ton of bears and and other people don't. And it's not as good as I, I think it really is, or there's not as many as I feel like there is, but yeah, from what I saw, I mean, there, there are a ton of brown bears up there. So the the one for every four, I'd like to know that answer as well.
0: Might be a future podcast, Jim. It could (laughs) be. Here's maybe another potentially just dumb question, but you mentioned as you get into a different region, you would call them grizzlies, but these are brown bears. Is there a difference? There's not a difference
2: from what I understand, uh, you know, species wise. I think the reason they have uh, separated brown bear and grizzlies, essentially it's a 50 mile radius of uh, the ocean. And mm. the reason being brown bear can feed on salmon. Uh, they're, they're near the water. They can feed on salmon. They generally grow larger uh, because of that protein. Uh, and grizzlies you know they're foraging away from water away from a lot of the rivers and things like that so oh, that's okay. from my understanding that's really the biggest difference that uh, kodiaks were thrown in there for a while i feel like uh, years ago there were kodiaks browns and grizzlies and then some people say there's there's only grizzlies i mean it's it's uh i think it's more of a location area or location
1: area. yeah i mean that's that's my understanding as well it's essentially just you know do they do they have access to fish or not have access to fish? And and I think in some ways, in my mind, yeah, I don't think it's like a – I don't think it's necessarily like a, a genetic, you know, sp- right. s- different species sort of thing. But it also, like, even just from uh, talking about it, like you can just, like, communication-wise, like, ge- geographically, you know where somebody was, right. you know, or right. or what style of hunt they may have been going on. Got it. And, and like you said, they generally are bigger bears. You know, interestingly, mm-hmm. though, like, I think – From what I've heard, like when it comes to, we'll call them brown bears, you know, coastal, coastal brown bears. I think those ones kind of in that southeast, you know, SIGTA area, as far as skull wise, I don't think they get
2: as big as some of the other ones. It doesn't seem like it. And I don't know if that's an age thing or not. In fact, when my bear was aged, they uh, obviously the fishing game, uh, they require you to send in a tooth and they age your bear and, and, and get some data, which is fantastic. But the letter I got back, my bear was 10 years old. I mean, it, mm-hmm. that's not exceptionally old for a brown bear. It's, I think the average they said uh, in the letter they sent me that year was like 7.9 years old, was, was the yeah. average age of a bear harvested. So, you know, we had that discussion on the vessel, actually, you know, that uh, don't expect these giant, giant skulls here. Why that is, I don't know. Um, it seems like when you compare a 10-year-old bear from there and a 10-year-old bear maybe from somewhere else, skulls are a little smaller. But for me, I'm not a score guy. Doesn't matter, you know. It,
0: it, it was uh, it was all about being in that spot. That's where I wanted to hunt them. Oh, and, totally. Heck uh, of an experience. Do uh, bears have anything similar to like deer? Where I know some people will say deer in really thick areas won't grow as big of a set of antlers. You know, so or is it just that they're in the thicker?
1: You know, that's totally.
0: That again, I'm I'm no bear expert, and that's totally speculation. But I don't I don't I don't know about that either. I guess you know again, like now
1: it's like now I want to like, get the biologist on the phone. But I guess I'd just assume it's just kind of like a genetic kind
2: of theme throughout that area. It's yeah. just kind of how they must be how they get. Yeah, probably m- more than likely. I mean, I've killed a lot of black bear too, and I, I've killed. Younger black bears that are that have giant heads compared to older black bears that might not. I mean, it's it's like uh, well, it's like anything, right? Genetics plays a, a big role in anything. I think in that area, for whatever reason, they and I wouldn't call them small.
1: No, call them small. my gosh.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah, in uh, relatively speaking, they they're generally a little a little smaller than other places.
0: Yeah, considering the fact that you had to remodel your house to fit that bear in your house, I wouldn't either call it small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I can't remember if we're uh,
1: recording yet or not, but so it sounds like you have a new set of French doors, Justin. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, beautiful set of French doors, something I've always wanted thanks to the bear. Uh, we had to get the bear in. Um, it's one heck of a mount. I don't know if you can see the whole thing behind yeah, it me. Yeah, Oh, so, man. It's actually standing over two pink salmon uh, feeding through a little stream mock-up, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, that's one I'm proud of right there. That's that's for sure.
1: Well, I think genetically too. And that one appears to be like, they get, they're super dark in that region. I think they're like yeah. a really rich, like super dark, almost like black Shire's. Well, heck, I think they actually, don't they even call them, isn't that, don't they call it potentially like even like a Shire's color? God, now I'm, uh, it, I'm maybe making it, stuff it's up. Very,
2: it's almost identical to a, to a, a Shire's look, uh, for sure. Um, and they are darker. I mean, you get inland obviously inland grizzlies i mean they can be almost blonde you know yeah so uh and obviously it's probably a sunlight thing as well i mean you get under that canopy out there <laughs> i mean there are times during the, middle of the day you could use a flashlight it's so thick but uh i'm sure that has has to play a part in that as well
0: you must have been the kid with the 240 pack of crayons what Shyrus? what's that uh <laughs> I only had the 64 pack. It's
1: it's not burnt orange or brick brick red, Jim. It's uh <laughs> no, it's uh like a Shire's moose, right? So yeah. um like just a very like rich dark okay chocolate, Got it. almost blackish brown color. Which yeah. I'll say this. So At
0: Crayola, do you
1: have one of those? Do you, mm-hmm. We just may have invented a new brown for those guys. <laughs> we want the rights, but uh. Very and I'm now we're talking about moose. I'll, I'm gonna wrap a trail here. But when I went to uh, I was up uh, super fortunate to hunt moose up in Alaska a couple years ago, and for whatever reason, like mentally in my head, like I was looking for things like that super dark, you know, mm-hmm. brown and not the color of the, of the moose that I was seeing, like they were like no. super gray, very hard to spot. Didn't stand, you'd think, like, yep. oh, there, there's a giant billboard out there, you know, <laughs> but um. Yeah, they weren't uh they weren't kind of that dark dark brown. They're almost like you know that silvery gray. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely brown dark as gray. well, but absolutely. Yeah. Um well, you know, and speaking of uh you know, we're talking about bow hunting. Did you have any special did you like have any special
2: gear considerations when you went up there? Yeah. You know, I really didn't. Uh, I I typically shoot a fixed blade broadhead anyway,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so that didn't change for me. If I had been shooting a mechanical, I probably would have switched that to a fixed blade. But outside of that, I really didn't change anything. Um, I didn't up the poundage on my bow. I was shooting a 70-pound bow. Uh, didn't change my arrows. Bottom line is I don't care what kind of bow setup you have. You stick one of those guys in the shoulder, you're not going to have very good luck. So, I mean, it was all about shot placement. So I really focused more on just, you know, being ready. In, in being super in tune rather than changing things up. Um like I said, I was fortunate to not have to change broadhead. Mm-hmm. But uh no, I basically use my whitetail setup.
0: No kidding. huh. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't have uh, expected that. I was waiting to hear some kind of like crazy heavy broadhead or I don't know, yeah. something along those or lines.
1: got got the eighty pound limbs and yeah, like yeah. my arrow set up, you know, nine nine hundred green arrow setup, you know basically shooting some
0: medieval like castle destroyer of a, of a crossbow <laughs> both I don't know whatever <laughs> the thing in Lord nope. of the Rings my wife and I just watched Lord of the Rings the thing they shoot at the castle walls so. <laughs>
2: no nope, we left it just the same it was uh it was uh strictly uh, our whitetail rig um pretty much everything was for the most part except for um you know some of the uh, extra gear i packed in but uh it, really it was, I, I didn't change a thing and I didn't really want to either. I mean, you, you become so accustomed and, and you feel so confident with one rig. I knew if I could get it done with that rig, that you know, that's, you know, I wanted to stick
0: with it.
1: Yeah. Well, um, and I guess, you know, I guess spoiler alert, I uh, don't want to ruin, ruin any part of the video, but uh I mean, you got a pass through, I mean, it zipped yeah right through that yeah. bear.
0: I was going to ask that actually, if it, yeah. if that's how it went,
2: what, yeah, um, full pass through, um and it, well, yeah, I probably shouldn't give it away either, but uh, it, it was a it was a pretty incredible moment, no doubt about it. Super cool. What what was it like? Like, God, you seem like so
1: cool, calm, and collected talking about this. I, <laughs> I lose my mind when I see Whitetail. Mark's uh,
0: over here, like twiddling his feet and you know doing all this little <laughs> excited stuff. But uh, like when you like when that bear started to come out and
1: like it was getting real, real and you pulled back your bow and like, you're going to make that shot. Like, at least for me, like mentally, like there's a little bit more on the line from even just like a safety perspective. Right. What was that? What was that like for you?
2: So, you know, it doesn't really look like it when you watch the video, but I had a very, I had a pretty small window to shoot. I'd say it was probably just a few feet in with, with him, you know, moving through, you had to you had to make it happen you know when when the the shot presented itself so i didn't really go into um any other mode other than i know how to do this i'm gonna i'm gonna you know go through my process set my pin and release the arrow it it wasn't until after uh everything transpired and when when it did um you know we were sitting on a little island we basically waited out to an island in the middle of this river and um After I shot him, he he charged maybe five feet away from me, I mean, and ran downriver while I was on this little island. I I probably could have reached out and and touched him with my bow when he ran by. So after that, that's when nerves set in and and you realize what really just happened and and that you (laughs) achieved that goal for one. I think that's probably what had my adrenaline going the most was that I finally, I did something that, um, you know, meant so much and was an, an ultimate goal of mine. But at the time of the shot, I I, honestly, I can't say that I was nervous or uh, anything. Like You just get so prepared for it. I think you just you follow through with what you had to do and 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 hopefully everything goes uh, according to plan.
1: No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine. I mean, it does seem like I'm sure like your level of focus, like I mean, everything is like just boiling down to like this one thing that you're doing, you
2: know. It's funny because I'll get worked up over a whitetail. You know, if a whitetail is making his way in, I start to get excited and, and you know, your heart rate elevates, your breathing is heavier, and, and you really have to try to settle yourself down to, to make it happen. But for whatever reason, on some of these, if you want to call them dangerous game hunts, or what I think you're just so in tune and you know that you, there's very small you know, margin of error, you, you don't want to screw that one up, that you just, you make it happen. And that, that fear, that nervousness doesn't really set in. At least for me, it doesn't, thankfully. Yeah. But uh, a, a whitetail or a mule deer or something like that, or a big elk. I mean, I'll, I'll get uh, way more nervy. It seems like when, when those guys come in. For sure. I, well, I don't know when I was watching it, I was getting nervous. I'm like, Oh God, this is,
1: this is about to happen. <laughs> and then you sh- I'm like, Oh, thank God. it was a good shot. That was a good <laughs> shot. <laughs> <laughs> but no that's that's super sweet. Well what um you know we talk, talking a little bit about the uh, like taking a tooth, you know. So like maybe go through and like I think it's important to even reiterate like how how managed this species is. Like I said we got some some questions for you know the biologists on that um, as to reasons why which I'm sure they're all great super relevant reasons. But super managed, you know I mean they they're keeping a tight hold on these things. Uh, it's not a free for all. They they and you know as hunters we're providing, you know, data, you know, for them. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Like, sounds like they took a tooth, anything else?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, if if you have a, a reputable outfitter out there, which I would assume most of them are, I mean, if they're in that business, they handle most of that for you. They'll, they'll help you check that bear in, uh, deal with the tooth. So really at that point, um, you know, my outfitter, Scott McLeod basically handled all that for me gotcha. uh, at the end of the day. Um, I had to fill out some paperwork uh, on the vessel. And then, you know, once we were heading home, he was taking care of all that good stuff. So I didn't get to actually meet Fish and Game in person, which I would have loved to. I had a ton of questions, but timing wise, and you know, logistics, it just didn't work out. But uh, yeah, it is it is highly managed. It's a, It's a huge source of revenue. For, for those areas, there are a lot of bear outfitters, you know, out of Sitka and areas like that. In fact, this year, I, I think I just heard they shut down their bear seasons for non-residents. And uh, everybody's, you know, in a little bit of a, a quandary up there as to, you know, what are we going to do now? So, and how long is that going to last? But yeah, this yeah. year, apparently it's it's shut down like like other areas. Yeah, no,
1: that'll be an interesting interesting, you know, situation as a whole to see how that, how that plays out. And hopefully, you know, a lot of those guys are able to weather that storm for sure. It's a uh, definitely, um, an unusual situation, you know, that we're in right now. So
0: yeah, that it is, that it is. And you're even saying, I know Mark, but I think this was prior to that potentially getting shut down, but it would be difficult to even get anybody up there anyway, because right, you go out there, you got to quarantine, finally get to go on your hunt, come back, quarantine again kind of wacky yeah yeah
1: i mean like i th- i think ultimately like as a non-resident like it just was it probably wasn't going to happen for you right this year and i think uh, initially i think they shut it down for both residents and non-residents
2: and then brought it and back then kind correct. of
1: retracted that which yeah. you know ho- hopefully that's that's good for those guys up there so right. i think it should be Absolutely. you know i guess and i guess originally that was barring the subsistence side of things i was trying to follow it as best i could but anyway yeah interesting times for sure Very any, uh, I don't want to get negative. I don't even want to ask this question. Any backlash from folks on that, you know?
2: Absolutely. Um, but honestly, you know, I'm a proud hunter. My hunts are out there for the world to see. And I, I get a lot of backlash, uh, you know, between this and and that's probably another reason why it's so managed, you know, up there, there's probably a lot of politics and things that they got to deal with, but between the brown bear hunt and, uh, I'd say uh, one of my mountain lion hunts. Yeah, people don't hold back when either one of those two species are are killed. But, you know, you just do your best to explain why and uh, the reasoning behind it and, you know, the conservation aspect. And and generally, you know, we can we can get through to a lot of people, but there's a lot of crazies out there. So, yeah, every every message after a hunt like that is interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Bears and cats and dogs. Yeah. Those three species. Tend to get more backlash than do servants of sorts, elk, deer. I mean, I'm not going to say you don't see any backlash on elk and deer. Sure. Oh yeah. Certainly I mean, not. yeah. But for whatever reason, when there's a picture of a dead bear, cat, or dog, I think it,
1: I think if it looks like your your pet or or your teddy bear, people you know can be a little bit more sensitive to it. And, and and a lot of it, you know, I mean, it, like you said, it comes down to you know education, and yeah. uh, you know which I think those hunts and telling those stories and, and being able to communicate with people like, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, even if you get maybe a negative message, you know, it's also an opportunity at the same time to you yep. know have that conversation with that per- yep. person. So, so some people are going to be open to it. Some people aren't just like any conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, uh, it's always an interesting one for sure. But, uh,
2: you going to go back. I'd love to, I would absolutely love to. And if not for Brown bear, you know, uh, certainly for something else. I mean, there it's, uh, I wouldn't mind doing a you know sea duck hunt out there or um That would be cool. Yeah there's just it's the, the wildlife is incredible. I mean I'd go back just for a summer vacation. Uh yeah. you know, to fit. <laughs> uh, it's just it's a gorgeous place. I absolutely love it up there.
1: No, it's cool. It's special. Jim, we should get you up there.
0: I know, I've yet to go. Closest I've been is Washington state.
1: That's I liked true. It there.
0: You did? You did. It's a nice place. Cars don't rust there. (laughs) Boy, I really like it.
1: That's your big takeaway from Washington. It wasn't the mountains or the ocean. (laughs) Jim's a big car guy, so if if you didn't gather from his one takeaway from visiting Washington State, which, Jim, actually, why were you in Washington? For a racing school. (laughs) (laughs) But... Gosh, well, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here, Jim. Any any other questions you might have, or oh yeah, the, such from a cool the, hunt uh,
0: from from mm-hmm. the naive to bears in Alaska guy here in the in the peanut gallery. No, I mean it's just it is. I think bear hunting in general to me, obviously we have it here in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. uh, black bear hunting, and uh, so it's not like not like I've never heard of it. I mean, heck, my brother just went this last year. But the, uh, the brown bear hunting has always been intriguing to me. Now, we don't, and, and here's another stupid question. We don't have brown bear in Wisconsin, right? No. No. Just I black think bears. So. It mo- it, they mostly come into play more out west, right, I'd as s- you get further west.
1: I'd say, yeah, you know, some of the Western states you are going to have, you know, um, some some recovering grizzly populations in some areas. I think people would say that they're recovered grizzly populations,
0: yeah. Oh, um, right,
1: Yeah. depending on who you talk to. Uh, and then, yeah, you get up into, you know, Canada and Alaska. You start getting into your brown bears and your grizzlies and, you know, and
0: stuff like that. So, yeah, they Russia, are.
1: Russia, I guess, you know, Russia's yeah, got, yeah. you know, brown
0: bear populations. Giant. Um, they are just incredibly interesting creatures.
1: There, oh I was just gonna. So when you're watching these brown bears, so my, and I think I probably have talked about this before, but obviously, like you can spook a bear. You guys probably spook some bears, but a lot of the brown bears that I've been around,
0: actually, I don't know if I've ever been around a,
1: a grizzly, even though they're the same thing. But uh, I've been around the coast,
0: so coastal bears man we're really confusing people I know they're the same thing I, they're not I, the same they're very different hey, they let, uh, live in entirely different places but they're the same thing not the same
1: yeah let, let me tell you all about uh brown bears and grizzlies and I'll confuse you more you're, you're welcome
0: <laughs> they don't care like th- their demeanor
1: is it's almost unsettling like how much you know the, the king
2: of the jungle they are out there I mean yeah. like what was like what was your observation you know it, that's exactly right in fact we kept saying they don't care until they do yeah. you know it, it it's, it's, it's 99% of the time, you know, they'll, they'll just watch you go along your, your way. I think it's when you surprise a bear, um, that they become instantly aggressive. And once you do surprise them or startle them, you know, at that point, they're not going to, uh, once they're angry, they're going to stay angry, put it that way. So, but for the most part, yeah, as long as you just kept your distance and, and didn't seem threatening, mm-hmm. um, bears for the most part. I mean, we got, we got picked off i don't know how many times by bears that were feeding they don't have very good eyesight they got you know great sense of smell but they don't have very good eyesight so if you're a fair distance away and you're not in any way threatening at the time um they just go back to feeding for the most part um it's when you're up close and personal and kind of come around and and snap a twig from a few feet away or something like that that they get aggressive for the most part
0: so, going into it, I know you said that you were very uh you're very in tune with what was going on, obviously paying a lot of attention. What kind of things are your guides telling you to look for that would maybe be sign that there is a bear nearby that you could spook and then so we'll have you talk about that but then I'm also curious what your uh exit strategy uh or <laughs> or <laughs> i guess uh plan was. Should one start charging I, I, especially when you're holding a bow, you know a bow
2: <laughs> yeah no well, you know the the strategy going in to answer your first question was more about um just keeping your head on a swivel um there wasn't really anything there wasn't a whole lot you could look for, I mean, like I said, there was sign everywhere, so you knew there were bears in the area, yeah, it was hard to decipher fresh sign over old sign because you've got rotting fish that were just. I mean, everywhere. So you couldn't tell if that was just a salmon that washed up or if a, you know, a a brown bear had actually drug it out of the water and fed on it. I mean, they were decomposing. So basically you were, you were listening for splashes of water. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, that was certainly one, obviously twigs breaking or anything moving. It's kind of hard to listen because you're in a river and you've got the flow of the river. So trying to catch sound was pretty tough. Plus you got, you know, birds and other animals running around and they're like crazy. So honestly, we were just creeping super, super slow, uh, head on a swivel, um, glassing every, you know, 10, 15 feet and it, just slowly work your way up and then slowly work your way back. Um, there were times where we'd be a mile or so upriver, and start to work back down and we'd we'd hit bears. We'd be able to hunt bears on the way back too. I mean, it's it worked both ways it's so the river would dampen our sound and uh you know obviously with all that thick cover we could sneak through pretty easy too so it's more of an eyesight thing than anything but the exit strategy um was basically uh to run is that not
0: because <laughs> you can't you climb know, a tree right like, i mean <laughs> that
2: doesn't do anything yeah no yeah. that wouldn't have been smart but yeah uh, we, we honestly, we, we, we really didn't talk about it. Um, <laughs> Scott, my, my guy, it wasn't really a, we didn't want to go there, but my guide had a, had a rifle. Yeah. yeah. He, I not, I didn't have a sidearm or a rifle or anything like that. Neither did my cameraman, but we felt pretty comfortable with Scott. He's been doing it forever. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so like I said, we really didn't talk about it. I just made sure he was, you know, locked and loaded and, and ready <laughs> in case, but um, there That's was never, a moment. I don't know. I'm not sure if he ever even raised his rifle to be yeah. honest with really. you. Okay. You're just, yeah. Kind of, Hey, that thing's on, right? You know, uh, yeah, really? you remembered that. Didn't you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what was the wind? Like, what was the wind like on those rivers? Like, was it, was it consistent? Was it, was it fickle? Like how, how were you guys having to play that?
2: It was brutal. It was brutal. And it was, it was more brutal with the black bear hunt, ironically. And, and maybe we'll talk about that another time at the beginning of, of these rivers yeah I mean it could be swirly you've got mountains and it, it could get really swirly but the deeper you got into the forest all that tree cover it it made things a little more consistent okay uh, but at the same time I mean you have no idea because you can't see if there's a valley you know that's going to create a wind tunnel a couple hundred yards to your right or left you, you just couldn't tell because it was it was so thick so the deeper you got, the easier it was. But at any time, you could get a, a funny swirl for sure, and it happened to us quite a few times. Gotcha,
0: it's a cool spot up there. It is. So the uh, the film then it's going to come out. That's mm-hmm. going to be on uh, on YouTube, right? Yep. We're coming full circle with your content, Justin. Going, we're bringing it back to YouTube. Well, because I'm saying we've discussed how amazing it looks, so it's not going to be. A, you got to listen about it. This is this is getting your full fix on hearing all the ins and outs of it. But you got to go look at it too, is what I've gathered. Yes. So check out the film for sure. So it'll be up on YouTube. It should it should be coming
1: up. Definitely definitely worth a watch. It's a, it's a cool hunt, super unique hunt amazing ecosystem and like we talked about earlier Justin I mean you guys do a phenomenal job of, of documenting those things and you know in a way that you know does does the region's
2: justice so it's really cool stuff thank you. that means a lot I appreciate it guys
0: well thank you very much for joining us and uh, yeah thanks to everyone as usual for listening so Justin where can people find you on uh, social media or anything like that if they got questions or want to hit you up or something like something yeah, like that yeah
2: absolutely Instagram just look for me at Justin Ol. On Facebook, same thing. You can just look for my name uh, or the Game of Inches page, uh, Game of Inches TV. That should uh, send you my way with both counts. And, um, yeah, check us out on YouTube on the on the Vortex page. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the response. Hopefully everybody enjoys it. And I appreciate uh, you guys having me on.
1: No, I appreciate it, man.
2: Super cool stuff. So, absolutely. Check them out. You
1: heard Justin it here. Oak.
2: Good stuff.
0: We'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye.